Yeah, I'll bark, no bite. I mean, sometimes these guys start listening and reading their press clippings and forget how to play the game. It's the TD Fantasy. The TD Fantasy Podcast. TD Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. together guys we haven't been uh together in the same room jake's still not in the same room but we haven't been together on the podcast in like a week so Paige, jake and jamie are back the whole the whole threesome's back for this for today's podcast we got a lot of good stuff to get into we're going to preview thursday night football we got a will brinson article that gives us some actual trades that could potentially help contenders make it to a super bowl playoff run and then we're also going to talk about John Gruden because oh are we because Jamie uh predicted the best thing that could have possibly happened and that is that the Oakland Raiders were going to be terrible and Jamie was not only right he was spot on and now the what their Vegas over under was 8 8 that eight? was the easiest money of all time for those of you who listen to the show went to Vegas and took the under on eight team wins for the Oakland Raiders this year. Yes, that is that we'll start with that but but I want to get into the quote from today, okay? Today in during practice. This one about like he needs a pass rusher? Oh uh, no, this oh, one okay. isn't about the pass rusher which we at this point I think John Gruden should just stop talking to the media. But this was Please. today where where he discussed uh whether that he wasn't quite sure that the trade had gone through yet. Although Amari Cooper had already practiced with the Dallas Cowboys. So that is where we sit right now. Jamie, how do you feel about that? Look, I, the, the, the Raiders are a complete dumpster fire. They've been all year. There are two schools of thought here. The one, one of them is I understand and I have at least just a very, very small amount of sympathy for John Gruden. Because he can't come out and say what we all know is true. He is tearing this team down piece by piece and going to rebuild it in his image. That is what the goal is here. It's very clear. It's what the Mac. It's why Mac got traded. It's why Cooper got traded. It's why I believe at some point in the next year, Derek Carr will be traded. He is going to completely rebuild this team. He's got five first-round picks in the next two years. He's got three of them next year. He's going to move them around. He's going to trade back. He's going to do a lot of different things. He is going to try to rebuild this team exactly the way that John Gruden wants this team to be built. The problem with that is, is he has not been good at building teams before. He walked into Tampa and he won a Super Bowl with Tony Dungy's players first year and then followed that up with two losing seasons. He is he has not shown a track record of being able to build a team of his guys and then being successful with them. And that's going to be the big problem in Oakland because by the time you realize whether or not John Gruden has built a team that can contend with his guys, we're going to be five years down the road. They're going to be in Las Vegas. And at the point you realize you're at that point in no return, your franchise is already five, six, seven years in the hole again. Guys, this happened when they gave John Gruden 10 years for $100 million. You didn't say that Renji McKenzie and John Gruden were doing this. You said John Gruden was doing this. You didn't say he and Mark Davis were doing this. You said John Gruden was doing this. There's no way in hell he didn't know unless they're so broke they can't afford other people to find out the information to tell the head coach, general manager, president, and all everything, John Gruden, that the trade had gone through. That's absolute freaking garbage, and he needs to learn how to do a press conference if that's the case, because that's just stupid to come out and say. But you're exactly right. They handcuffed themselves and their franchise to John Gruden to try to stabilize Oakland while they were still there, to try to sell tickets for Vegas while they're still there, and all he's doing is buying himself time 
and using the excuse of, I got these players, I need to rebuild it for what I want to do and build it in my image, like Jamie said. The bad part is his draft picks are parentally sucked every time he's gotten a chance to do that. So, yeah, they got all these picks, but you just lost the best defensive player in football in his prime. I personally think the Amari Cooper trade was probably okay. I think Dallas gave up way too much. A first-rounder for Amari Cooper at this point, who looks mildly interested at best, uh, was overpaying for him. But that's that's what they – you know. John Gruden put that out and said, I'm not trading him unless I get a one. We got a one. So that trade's okay with me. Um, if, if you got Jordy Nelson, start him in fantasy. That's the only option the Oakland Raiders have, and he's been pretty good already. I don't know what Amari is moving forward, but look, going with the Raiders, Jamie was spot on with all of this. Gruden was, what, 45 and 51 after winning the Super Bowl, Jamie? No, your quote going into the year. I mean, it was like he's been mediocre at best, and his draft picks have been terrible. Yeah, and the other thing is here, guys, now we have reports coming out of the locker rooms that the players, and I know this will be shocking to you guys, are not really happy with what's going on because I'm sure that they're all feeling very uncomfortable that they can all be gone because they're not John Gruden's guys. And that creates an issue in this locker room. And your leader in Derek Carr, has. we've already seen the, the speculation going on with Derek Carr, and I'm in the same camp as Jamie. I don't think Derek Carr is going to be the starting quarterback for more than another year. I mean, I, I'm not ready to say at the beginning of next year, but I, I, I might, I might be talked into that because I don't think that that John Gruden has a lot of faith in Derek Carr, and I don't think it's his guy. No, and, and I want to read you a group of names right now. Okay, Michael Clayton, Cadillac Williams, oh. Davin Joseph, Gaines Adams, and Akeem Talib. He had no. He did not have a first round draft pick in in two, 02 or 03. Those are the five first-round draft picks that John Gruden spent on in his time in Tampa. Akeem Tlaib turned into a decent player, not for him, but he turned into a decent player. Uh, have you heard about the other four in the last, I don't know, 15 years? No. You haven't, have you? So, again, you, just because you have quality assets doesn't mean you're going to turn them into quality players. But like Jake said, I agree. Getting a first-round pick for Amari Cooper is a steal because that's another player that I've been talking about for two years as being more talented than productive. And I think you're going to see that in Dallas as well. Jake, will will Derek Carr be the quarterback for the Oakland Raiders next season? Yeah, I think he will be. And I don't think it's because he's Gruden's guy. It's because there's nobody better on the market that they can get. There's nobody coming out in this draft that's better than Derek Carr. And he actually fits really well with what they want to do. Uh, he's thrown some really bad picks this year, but you're not going to be able to replace him with a better player, and you're already handcuffed on the money. The only reason he won't be is because they don't care about wins. They don't care about rebuilding this thing. They want the salary cap space, and they gave him a giant contract. That's the only reason I can see them moving on for Carr, but who's going to want him if he keeps playing like this? What are you going to get back? You're not getting a first back for him. And that's, and that's the problem because of the, the way his contract is structured, the cap it that he has, the way he's been playing. It's not going to be easy to get – anything for Derek Carr. You might get someone that will say, hey, fine, we'll take him off your hands, but we're not going to give you much. But if you actually want to get some sort of return for him, I, I just can't see them getting that. And again, who's going to play quarterback for him? How about, okay, so I'm going to float a name. AJ McCarron? Like, I'm going to float a name just because I've seen it a lot on Twitter today. And so I'm going to play this fun game where we pretend like we're uh, John Gruden and we're trading away his, his pieces. So how about the New York Giants, who desperately, desperately need a quarterback and this draft class, as Jake said, and I've talked about it at length, I've talked to the guys who evaluate the drafts of the draft network. At, there is not, this is not a great quarterback class, and the best quarterback that's coming out of this class may not even come out. So if you're the New York Giants and you know you need a quarterback 
Is that somebody that you guys would see Dave Gettleman and company going after? I'll let you take it first, Jake. Yeah, absolutely. I think that makes a ton of sense. Uh, you know, Sherman comes from a West Coast background. He's kind of put his own spin on all of it. But I think he fits what they want to do very, very well. The problem is you can't do it with Eli on the roster because you don't have the cap space to have them both. So it can't happen this week. Uh, it's going to have to be an after-the-season thing. But I think that makes a ton of sense. You're getting a guy in his prime that you don't have to really develop. You just got to teach him the scheme, and you're giving him a ton of weapons. Look, he's been successful until he had the back injury. Um, that, to me, makes a lot more sense than trying to than draft Will Greer late in the first round. You know, They could end up with a top-five pick. They need some defensive help as well, but you're not going to get a franchise guy past the first round. History tells us that. And this year is not last year where you have four guys going in the top ten. I think that makes a ton of sense. If I'm Jacksonville, I'll give the third right. I'll give him a third right now for Derek Carr. I mean, people are yeah, going to want him. He's, he's still a he's still a player. I mean, I mean, the problem is that, like Jake said, it, it's yes, he would fit in Jacksonville. Yes, he would fit in New York. The problem is you have to get out from under the deals you currently have. It's a lot easier to see a, a way that Eli Manning is not going to be in the equation for the Giants next year. They're stuck with Bortles for for now uh, in some capacity, and they can they can't afford to have both those contracts on their team. So that's going to be the issue. All right, guys, let's get into this article from Will Brinson from CBS. So a little shout out if you guys want to go take a look at it. He put together 10 trades that contenders should make for a Super Bowl playoff run. Um, the the nice thing about what I what's happened more recently in the NFL is that the trade deadline has actually become a thing. Whereas in past years, it, it wasn't necessarily what it's been over the past couple of years. So there are there is potential for some of these to happen. Um, and I was looking for a unique way to discuss Le'Veon Bell because Le'Veon Bell has been a topic of conversation since before the season started and the conversation has continued. And now he hasn't reported as was first speculated as this would be his time frame for showing up and he's not there. So the, the, the first trade here is Le'Veon Bell being traded to the Texans. Jake, do you think that would make sense for both sides? You have a quarterback on a rookie contract, so you can afford what you're going to have to pay him. But you're going to have to pay Deshaun Watson after another year, and you know that. And it's going to have to be big, big money. And it's going to be based off last year's six-game sample, not what he's doing this year coming off the knee. They're going to have that excuse. I don't know that they're that much better with Le'Veon Bell, but they're definitely a better team. It makes sense. If you go back to what I said in the preseason with the Steelers, the way they do things, he's as likely to be traded as he is to show up in Week 10. I still think there's a fantastic chance that that happens in the next day or two. Or he doesn't show up at all. I think there's a chance of that, which I don't know how that makes sense to him because then he can't get paid and the whole thing is just crazy. But this whole thing is nuts. Uh, I like that trade for both. I think the Steelers need to trade and move on and get rid of the headache. And I think the Texans have won four straight. They're starting to get hot. And he would definitely add a dimension to that offense when you have a quarterback when healthy that can run a little bit of that read option or the read option RPOs, those kind of things. We don't necessarily have a quarterback that runs, but he, they're still running a read option fake and then throwing a slant off of that like he did in college. He's better than Lamar Miller. I just don't know how much more for what you're going to have to pay him. But if you want to make a run this year as the Texans, that would make sense. I mean, it does, it does make sense for the Texans. And I think whoever is getting him at this point is looking at it as a rental deal. Like, I, I, don't, I would be shocked if he signs a long-term deal with anybody right now. My concern would be I don't know what his motivation level is going to be. He's going to come back this season because he would be absolutely just idiotic for him not to. He can't get to free agency if he doesn't come in by week, you know, by week 10. So he's going to come in. The problem is, is how motivated is he? How willing is he to play? Uh, how much does he want to play? 
How much is it, you know, if he gets hit in one of these games, gets hit hard, is he going to be eager to come back out there? If he's fully focused on, I just got to stay healthy and get to the offseason, I don't know what kind of player you're going to get at that point. From the Pittsburgh Steelers standpoint, yes, you at this point, anything you get from him is better than nothing. But I don't know if I want to trade into a team like the Texans. There's a really strong chance you play that team in the first or second weekend of the NFL playoffs. Do you really want that narrative? Do you really want to better a team that could knock you out in a couple weeks? There's a lot of other teams that are just – there are about four or five teams that that's a real possibility of being for the Steelers. I think you got to trade them some, anywhere other than those places. You're going to have another 25 options to move them. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, I think the Jets make a lot more a lot more sense. Yes, the Jets aren't going to hurt. The Jets aren't doing anything to them this year, the Steelers this year. So that makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah. All right. The next one I want to get into here is less fantasy impact related, but more close to home here with Arizona, us, us all being in Arizona, and that's Patrick Peterson. Now, Patrick Peterson did come out today and say that you know, he, he's focused on what's ahead. He's focused and on this week. He's focused on this week. But I think those words were chosen wisely. And he did admit from his comments, I've read all through his pre- that there was a, re- a request for a trade. He said, look at the record. How, I mean, there's there's a reason that this it's not he's not enjoying his time right now. And there's a team that needs some help. And that team is the Philadelphia Eagles. And there's some speculation on here. If you read through Brinson's piece about the two second round picks that they received back, they actually have some flexibility with their cap space long term that they could make this work and it could make sense for this team. Uh, Jake, do you think this is a possibility and, and do you think it would make sense? And, and really, I want to know, what do you think Patrick Peterson is worth from the Philadelphia Eagles? Yes, it makes sense, but no, it's not going to happen. Uh, I want to know what team president Michael Bidwell told him yesterday in a 30-minute meeting to have him back off putting out, I want to be detrated. I, I demand, I desperately want out of here. I mean, in a 30-minute meeting with the president, you're getting assurances that, what, you're a cardinal for life and we'll keep you the highest paid corner in the history of the world and winning doesn't seem to matter as much anymore? Uh, from Philly, it makes a ton of sense. Other than you already have three good corners, they're just all playing like crap. You know, you could probably get away with Patrick being on a two-year deal, renewing him, getting rid of some of these veterans that they signed this year that Michael Bennett, some of these guys that are on pretty decent hefty price tags and be able to afford still a superstar corner. That's only 28 years old. I mean, it feels like Patrick Peterson has been playing for 25 years. He's only 28. Uh, So the thing with Patrick though, he's going to want long-term wherever he goes, but it's not going to happen anymore. This point is mute. He's a Cardinal and it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the off season. If he's still a Cardinal, because whatever Michael Bidwell told him yesterday to, to, Make him relax a little bit. It's going to be really interesting moving forward what that was. Yeah, and to me, I think this is something that doesn't get done this week. This gets done in the offseason. Um, and I don't think the Philadelphia Eagles are the team that makes the most sense to me. I think the team that – I don't know if anyone's floated this out there yet. team with some cap space, a team that's building something. Because, again, Peterson's not – his contract's not expiring. He, this, this is a longer-term play than just one season. I, if I'm the New York Jets – I might make that call. You want you want assurances that you're going to get what, maybe the best corner in football? I know how Patrick Peterson can play for Todd Bowles. I watch it happen. That there's going to be no learning curve there. You want to talk about a team that's on the rise, that's hoping to make an impact in the next couple of years, has a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal. I think Patrick Peterson going to the New York Jets would be a match made in heaven for everybody. Involved. Makes a ton of sense. That's a great point. I said Kansas City as well with a rookie, you know, with a quarterback on a rookie deal. 
but Darnold's one year removed from that. Patrick's got two more years on his deal after this, but if you're Todd Bowles, and look, there's a love affair there. Todd loves Patrick. Patrick loves Todd. There's a respect factor. They know they can play and coach together. Um, they've already got some young pieces on that defense. you got Adams, who's a LSU guy and one of Patrick's boys. That makes a ton of sense. It's in New York. Patrick would love to take advantage of that market and raise his superstardom. You have the cap space. That one's brilliant, Jamie. I absolutely love that. It makes a it makes a ton of space, a ton of sense. Jamie is celebrating for, for, <laughs> all of you, for all of you that can't see. It was just me that saw Jamie's uh, celebration dance over here for his for his idea. And I wish that I could say that it didn't make sense, but it totally makes sense. And I know that Patrick Peterson loves playing with Todd Bowles. I've he said it multiple times to me, and I know Jake knows that as well personally that. He loves his coach, and I, I could see that making a lot of sense in the offseason. Hello, TD Fantasy listeners. Jamie Eisner here telling you about the ultimate fantasy football draft experience. You've heard us talk about it on the show before. Fantasy football at sea. Think about what you were doing this past draft night. Were you just sitting on your couch? Were you stuck at the office hoping your boss didn't see you? That's no fun at all. Isn't fantasy football supposed to be fun? Why not upgrade and do your 2019 draft on a cruise to the Bahamas where you can get the best advice and party with the top fantasy analysts and former NFL players. Beach, sun, fantasy football, TD Fantasy will be there. That is a tough combo to beat. Go to fantasyfootballatsea.com for more information and learn how you can book today. The next one is also an Arizona Cardinal. And this is, I don't know. Maybe just, stop, it's, just, it's, stop, it's, just stop, just stop, just stop, just stop. Don't even do it. Don't even do it. Don't let's not even throw this one out there. One, there's no way in hell Larry's agreeing to go play for freaking Bill Belichick. And two, the Patriots don't need him. It'd be a bad trade. Who the hell is he going to play over? Chris Hogan? No, he doesn't fit with what they're doing, and it's not, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Period. So that ends our segment on Larry Fitzgerald to the Patriots. It wouldn't be a trade deadline if we didn't have a Fitzgerald in New England rumor. True. The eighth year in a row. In years past, it's made sense. It happens. This makes no sense all the way around. Now watch it 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 happen an hour from now. As soon as we get done and hang this up. (laughs) Oh, breaking news. Yeah, I, I think the this is La Confora's quote that they're using for it. If I'm Larry, I go to them and say, hey, guys, I'm not so worried about retiring as a Cardinal anymore. And that's why Jason La Confora is not Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Just, Fitzgerald cares a lot about retiring a Cardinal. It means a lot to him. He's verbalized that many, many times. And I think if he was ever going to go, it would have been in previous years when he there was a little bit more when of an Matt assurance. Hall was it to him, yeah. Yeah, and I and I think there's not a New England's not even the best team in the NFL right now. Like I I get it. I, I listen, I understand, yes, going to play for Tom Brady, but there's no guarantee that he's gonna win a Super Bowl. So leaving and tarnishing this legacy that he's built up for so long, y'all y'all need to chill with the Larry Fitzgerald to the Patriots stuff. The Paige, that's yeah. a Paige, that's it's, a phenomenal, not- phenomenal point. The Patriots are not what they've been the last four or five years. Yes, they're good, yes, they're getting hot, but they're doing it on offense. Where's he gonna play? He can't play in the slot over Edelman. He can't play X when, when Hogan's over there. And he's damn sure not playing over Gordon, who's starting to get what's going on. And he can't run. He's got a hamstring. They don't know how to use him. Like, this just doesn't make any sense anymore. And why would he? I trust me, Tim being a Cardinal for life is almost as important as him winning a Super Bowl to him. And I don't think he's willing to risk that for a team that hasn't been what they've been when it was almost a guarantee they were going to get there the last four or five years when these rumors started. 
Yeah, and the reality was when the Patriots needed him the most was those first couple of years post West West Welker. That's when they needed him the most on those teams, the way they were constructed. Now, I mean, their problem's not is not the receivers and the pass catching options in the middle of the field. That's not their problem. No, no, it's not, and it's it's just not going to happen. So we're moving right along to one that I think makes sense, but also. As Jamie pointed out, there's a reason that it couldn't make sense long-term because of contract issues, and that is Tyrod Taylor to the Jaguars. And listen, the Jaguars desperately need a different quarterback. Blake Bortles has, will, and always will be a below-average quarterback. I will not get off that point. I watched him play in college. I knew that this was going to be the quarterback that he was going to be. And it, I'm astounded that people continue to try and make Blake Bortles a starting quarterback in the NFL. And it seems like a huge waste when you have that defense who now isn't playing up to their caliber, but you're also seeing Blake Bortles give games away. So, Jamie, I'll let you take this first. Do you think Tyrod Taylor to the Jaguars is even something that could happen at this point? No, because what even beyond the contract stuff, if, you, if you're going to make a move, if they finally decide after all this time they're going to actually legitimately try to move on from Blake Bortles, you're not doing it for Tyrod Taylor. I'm sorry. That's not the quarterback you're doing it for. I, I know Jake and I talked briefly on Monday. We talked a little bit about like a Leonard Fournette for Nick Foles type of swap, um, you know, if you're looking for a one-year thing. But is Tyrod Taylor going to make the Jags more of a Super Bowl contender this year? I don't think so. Is Tyrod Taylor going to make anybody else in Jacksonville more fantasy relevant? I don't think so. At this point, once you, you made your bed when you signed Bortles that extension that that a lot of people said was ridiculous. There were some people that praised it, but you you made your bed. And at this point, if you're going to move on, you need to move on with somebody that's actually going to make you a bigger contender. Just getting a band aid really isn't going to solve the problem. Yeah, I mean, guys, look, you got a couple guys on that defense making a ton of money. They signed in free agency, and AJ Boye, Clayus Campbell. Now you got a couple young guys coming up that are going to make a ton more money than that. And Jalen Ramsey, a couple of these linebackers, uh, Barry Church, one of the other big free agent signers from a couple years ago, that defense is loaded, loaded with expensive contracts and guys that are coming up. Now, you've obviously said you're not going to pay Fournette by the Carlos Hyde trade. If Carlos Hyde and Fournette are both healthy and you do make this trade, they are better because he's not turning it over four times a game. You can go back to smash mouth, smash mouth, punt, but our defense out there, they stop him, you go back and you win nine to six. That division's still up for grabs. Other than that, you're handicapping yourself for the next 10 years moving forward, eating way too much dead money on Bortles' contracts. No, I don't think there's any way it happens. All right, the next and the last one that we're going to get into is there's already been rumors, and I'm sure you people listening to the podcast have seen this, but of Demarius Thomas getting traded. There's been talk of that. He's already resigned to getting traded. He basically said, like, I know my time here is almost He should. Up. Yes, and, and in this – in this article, they have both Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas to the to the Browns. And I listen to me. There's no way that both of those guys are getting traded to to the Browns. But does trading one of these guys to the Browns make sense? Maybe. Uh, they, they, Jamie, need, they need help. They need help. Yeah. They need pass catching help besides Jarvis Landry. Um, and Callaway's been extremely disappointing to me. Yes, he I has. have really high expectations for him, and he's young. I don't have. I'm not worried long term. But in terms of how much he can help them this year, uh, I, I'm concerned about it the question for the Browns is is how how many assets do you want to leverage on this year you are playing better but you're still in last place in the division you're not probably going to make the playoffs at this point you had a couple games you had three winnable games that turned into two losses and a tie for you but that's the reality of it you can't you don't go back and get those wins now 
I just don't think it makes any sense at all for the Browns to give up any of their future assets to try to what win go seven nine and or seven eight and one this year. I just I just don't think that makes much sense. Even if they need the help in terms of just the talent. So I'll give you a little bit of a different spin on it. One, from the Broncos' point of view, trading Demarius Thomas is damn near an absolute must. He's on a giant contract. He cannot run. He is not the same player. You got to move on and you got to get some cap space because you need help. You got older players on big contracts that are expiring. You got younger guys you got to sign and you need the draft pick. And you have his replacement in Cortland Sutton, which I said in about week four that was going to happen by about now. Um, from the Browns, trading for Demarius Thomas makes no sense because now you've got two straight possession guys in Jarvis Landry and Demarius Thomas. Neither one of which can really run, run. Demarius Thomas can't run, and Jarvis Landry is really good after the catch, but he's not his burner. Emmanuel Sanders, on the other hand, makes no sense for the Broncos to trade, but it makes a ton of sense for me for the Browns to pick up. One, he's going to be able to run for another four or five years. He's a guy that can stretch the field. He can go down the field. Antonio Callaway can do the same thing, and they play almost the same position, but he's a veteran Another veteran presence in that place, but he's a fully rounded receiver. He can run everything in the route tree. So can Jarvis Landry, but he does it faster. It gives them another legit weapon. I don't think you got to give up more than a third or a fourth to get him. And if you have him for another three or four years, that's worth it. Demarius Thomas, Browns, Broncos need to move on. Browns don't need. Emmanuel Sanders, I can definitely see making sense there. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point from Jamie's perspective that the Browns are not – got to be careful that you're not – pushing too much that you think you're in win now yeah, but a, that team's not winning a championship that's a third or a fourth win. rounder for a starting receiver for the next three or four years is worth it every time you're not getting a better player in a draft than than the third round yeah he takes up some salary salary cap space but that one you can make sense you still have baker mayfield on a rookie contract again at quarterback so you could you could you could have probably afford that contract for a little while I agree with you, but I think the precedence of what just happened with Amari Cooper and a first-round pick, I don't think they're going to be able to give away only a third or a fourth rounder to get one of those guys. I think they're that they're going to want more than that, and they should. If they if the market right now, I mean, whether or not you agree with it, and I don't, I don't think Amari Cooper's worth a first-round pick. But that just happens. You have to. I don't think that da- I, I don't think that Denver. Would would give away those guys for a third or a fourth depends, and if they do, yeah, depen- that's a it depends on the salary cap number and what Denver's willing to do. Are they willing to finally blow that up a little bit and move on? Because from the Browns' point of view, I think you could get him for a third. I mean, you're talking about a guy in his upper twenties that can still run versus Amari Cooper who's only twenty three and already been to two Pro Bowls. So I can see where the numbers say Amari Cooper's worth a first round pick for the Cowboys. We all think he reached. I think you could get Emmanuel Sanders for a three. I think both teams would probably do it right now. And if you could for the Browns, you're not leveraging too much to do that. It all depends on the Broncos' salary cap situation and do they want to move those guys. Yeah, I mean, and they have to decide what they want to do because they both of them have outs in their deals where it's a lot less debt. It's about only half of it in dead cap. But they both have one year left in their deals. So, again, Sanders is the guy you want here, clearly. Yes, I, I think Sanders, like I said, Sanders has still, still got uh, tread left in the tires. I think Demarius Thomas is, is winding down uh, his, his time as a starting caliber wide receiver. Yeah, I would agree. I don't even think if, if I'm any team, I'm not trading for Demarius Thomas at this point. I don't. I don't think he has enough left to to give away any draft draft picks for him. All right, let's preview Thursday night football. We've got Miami going into Houston. The Brock um, Osweiler revenge game. Yeah, Brock Osweiler revenge game. Uh, Brock Osweiler doesn't have any offensive weapons anymore because it seems as if everybody is going to be out of that game. Albert Wilson was the most recent one that was reported. Uh, Today on Wednesday that he would not be playing. 
Uh, Houston's a seven and a half point favorite at home. Houston's kind of got back on track now. They're in first place in the division. Yes, I said that. They're in first place in the division now. It Four seems, wins in a row. Yeah, you're not going to have to do much to win this division, it looks like. So, Jake, what do you see happening in this game, and, and do you think they cover the spread there? Look, I mean, the, the weakness of Houston's defense, which is playing better, is still their secondary. But their front seven is playing better. They're, being, they're, they're tough to run on. Um, Brock Osweiler's played really good, but he has no receivers to take advantage of that weak secondary. Deshaun Watson is playing – Better. He's not playing as bad as he was the first couple weeks. Not turnover as much. I think he's he's understanding his own physical limitations as much. Will Fuller seems to be back healthy. They've got some weapons. Kiki QT. They got three receivers. Lamar Miller played better last week. Their offensive line still not very good, but it's just not a good matchup in my opinion for Miami. I think Houston has won four in a row. They feel pretty good about themselves. They're finding ways to get it done in some tight games. I've got them winning twenty three seventeen. I'll probably bump that to twenty six seventeen to maybe cover. Uh, just because Miami has no weapons left. I mean, my, my question to you guys before the show was, is Kenyon Drake an actual fantasy possibility this week because they have nothing else? I mean, Drake Owens certainly hopes that. He's just not getting a lot of touches. I mean, I think that's the – the thing I was concerned about in the preseason, we talked about it, was how much Adam Gase loved Frank Gore and how many touches he was going to eat out of Kenyon Drake's workload. And I think we all by now thought that, okay, this would be about the time where, okay, Frank Gore's is going to be the winding down. Maybe he's getting five or six touches a game and Kenyon Drake's getting the rest. It's been a 50-50 split, and there are weeks where Gore's getting more touches than Kenyon Drake. Uh, so I don't, I don't know what to expect in this game from him. I'm just they're, He's a borderline flex play at this point where you probably, with some of the bye weeks, might not have a better option in the flex spot, but you might. Uh, I'm with Jake. This is just a bad matchup for Miami. They don't have enough weapons out there. At some point, Brock Osweiler is going to start to look like he did before. Even though, again, I'm still waiting for this Houston defense to really turn it on and look like the Houston defense that people think of when they imagine what the Texans can be. But Houston's hot right now. I think they're at home. It's tough to play on the road in Thursday night football. Although both of these teams have been like criminally bad in trying to, in covering the spread this year, even with their records. Uh, I'm going to go with Houston. Houston covering, but. I don't. I don't think this is really all that of an exciting game. I think this is going to be a pretty boring, boring game. Yeah, we've been lucky. We've had a couple of fun uh, Thursday night footballs. Definitely not last week's Thursday night football game, but before that, we had a couple of good ones. I don't anticipate that this is going to be a great Thursday night football. Don't game. worry, we can look forward to next week's Oakland San Francisco Thursday. <laughs> That's going to be exciting. The Battle of the Bad would be a more correct uh, term for that. Uh, Jake, how can everybody follow you on uh, Jake media? B. Arians on Twitter and Jake Arians on Instagram. Jamie? You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at JME Eisner on Instagram. Guys, be sure to follow TD Fantasy at TD Fantasy underscore. Check out TDFantasy.com for all the premium picks. You're going to want to subscribe and, and make some money with the guys. And you should follow me at the underscore sports page and stay tuned for Bruce Arians, our every Wednesday guest. He brought the fire this week and you're going to want to listen. And our very special Wednesday guest, Bruce Arians, who's back from London. And coach, I want to know what your experience was like overseas being there as a commentator versus being there as a coach just a year before. It was a lot better as a commentator. That game wasn't very good <laughs> for us before, but uh, the people over there just love NFL football, it's amazing to me. All 32 teams' jerseys are represented in that great crowd, uh, super game.
Yeah, it's pretty cool to see how how big the game is and how it's grown overseas considering they don't have a team over there. But coach, I want to talk to you about that team you used to coach because it's been a uh, it's been rough for the people here in Arizona. So they've made some changes and there's been some rumors. Patrick Peterson literally just released a statement about five minutes ago about staying here in Arizona. So how do you deal with all this? How do you, how do you fix what's going on here in, in Arizona? Well, it's hard. I mean, you, you got a head coach that's trying to make it in his culture and his way. And, and it just got some bad breaks. And, you know, I hate the Mike McCoy got fired, but I can see why. Um, the offense was struggling. Um, but again, I, I just still can't believe with it, that much talent that they're one in six. Yeah, I think I think that's the that's the reason the fans are upset because there's been such a such a step back. But your guy Byron is now in charge of the offense. So, what are your expectations for him, and and what would be success for him this season? Obviously, now that they're you know not not going to make the playoffs. Well, I think for them right now, it's just a matter of scoring some points, moving the ball, making first down, scoring points. And that's not going to be easy with that beat-up offensive line. Uh, you can change all the coaches you want, but if you don't have an offensive line, it's really hard. Giants tried to make a little run there at the end of Monday Night Football, but once again they came up short. What When you look at this team, do, do you think there's something more wrong with it than just the injuries they suffered this year? And then I guess the big question is, is how do you look at what Eli Manning is doing this year? And it, is he at the end of the road in terms of him being able to be uh, a starting quarterback in the NFL? No, I, I I watched the Giants a couple of times, and uh, there were times when his back foot hit the ground and he was getting sacked. That offensive lineman just flat whiff somebody. And I've seen some bad lines, but that one at times can be horrendous. And I'm sure Arizona's facing some of the same problems. But the Giants, I think, were a bigger overhaul than people wanted to admit for Pat Shermer. Coach, you have the Baltimore-Carolina game this week. What are you most looking forward to in that game, and maybe what are some matchups that some people should pay attention to? Well, I think both defense are, are, are fantastic, and, and I, I really like the way both quarterbacks are playing right now. I, I'm intrigued the way Baltimore is using Lamar Jackson. Joe Flacco's having a great year, and thank goodness John Brown is healthy, and he's having a fantastic year, really pulling for him. And I think he is the mismatch, I think, down the middle and on the outside versus the Panthers. For the Panthers, you know, Cam Newton had that tremendous comeback victory last week in Philly, and they got to be riding on a high wave of, of confidence right now coming in this ballgame. Coach, as a coach, how do you handle all of the distractions? Let's say if you're in Oakland right now, you have the reports coming out about there being a fractured locker room involving Derek Carr. You just traded one of your top offensive weapons for a first-round pick. How do you handle a locker room in that kind of scenario where there's a lot of noise coming in from the outside? I think right now, I think John Gruden's admittedly goes, he's just rebuilding. And uh, he, if you if you talk too loud in the locker room, you'll be the next one gone. Coach, well, I want to go back to the Giants for a second, just because there's a lot of talk amongst the NFL that you know you're saying you're you're saying you're looking at a quarterback, and I obviously value your opinion so highly on how how Eli Manning is playing. But a lot of the fans and the fan base are upset because they're kind of in this in between mode where they want to be a contender, but they're also now in a rebuild mode. So how do you fix that message? Because now the fans are upset. 
They're all rallied around the fact that they have a young Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham Jr., but an older quarterback. And this next year's draft class is not a quarterback-heavy class. And I think they're looking around and going, what are we going to do for a quarterback going forward? Find him some offensive linemen, and he'll be fine. He can still make the throws. And obviously he's a very bright quarterback. Um, Learning a new system along with everybody else. But, I mean – if you can't set your foot to throw a quick pass because somebody got beat that fast, you need to, you need to find some new linemen. And and to me, that's the first place to rebuild. What coach, what needs to be fixed in Jacksonville? This is a team that came into the year with Super Bowl expectations and sure. It's easy to look at Blake Bortles. He got benched at halftime. He's going to come back and play this week, but that defense has not lived up to what it's been last year with largely the same personnel. Yeah. I'll bark. No bite. I mean, sometimes, these guys start listening and reading their press clippings and forget how to play the game. Uh, it's not all Blake Bortles. He's obviously struggled uh, this year, and I think he's felt a lot of pressure because last year the defense carried the team, and he didn't have to score a lot of points other than the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh game, which he did. And um, so, yeah, I, 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 guys get frustrated, things get said, but then at the end I think your leaders step up, fix the locker room, I know Calais had a meeting with the players, and uh, and they'll march on. They need they need a win. That's all they need. Coach Blake Bortles was benched at halftime, though, and you've always been really great and worked with quarterbacks very closely. How hard is that message to deliver now that you're going to go back this week and have him as your starting quarterback, even though you benched him at halftime for his poor play? Yeah, I think it's been like three years running now where he goes up or down, and he usually bounces back with a pretty good game. And uh, I think they really mislearned Fournette. Now that they have Carlos Hyde, I think that will help. he needs a running game to be successful anyway. He can't carry it past him. Coach, the last one here is the Philadelphia Eagles have largely been a huge disappointment. When you look at that team, do you think they have the ability to kind of regain some of the magic that we saw from that team last year? Because the talk around this team and out of Philadelphia was – they got better in the off season, and they sure don't look better than what they were last year. Yeah, again, you know, I think they they everybody they got a target on their back. They're the Super Bowl champs, and and they got to match the level of play. They're not flying around the radar like they were last year. So, yeah, I think with the way the NFC East is right now, with Washington in the lead, uh, it's easy. To, they're easily catchable, and I think if anybody would do it, the Eagles will. Coach, I, want, I, I, I lied. I want one more. Who's the best team in the NFL right now? Oh, gosh. I'm going to have to say the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they're the only undefeated team. They played some good teams. Um, and I think now that uh, Tom Brady has some weapons, they're, they're a close second. Yeah, I think I think we're all looking at the the Rams, the Chiefs, and the Patriots, and going, man, there's there's a lot to like for those three teams. But we'll see. It's early, as we know, we got a lot of football left to play. Coach, good luck uh, with Baltimore this week. Uh, should be should be a pretty good game watching Baltimore's defense face up against Cam Newton. It should be fun. I, I can't wait to watch it. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.